Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Hey, Work Positive Nation. Did you wake up this morning happy to go to work? Oh, wait a minute. Don't roll your eyes. Uh Uh-uh. Do not roll your eyes. I know you just eye-rolled at me. I know you did. What? You don't think you can wake up happy and go to work happy and then come home happy? Wow. Have we got something to talk about today? Because in order for you to be successful, happiness precedes being successful. Now, I know the flip side seems to be so true, and maybe that's the popular lore, right? Once I become successful, once I do these things, once I hit these personal goals, blah, 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 once I do life the way Tony Robbins does life or somebody like that, right? Then I'm going to be successful, and that's when I'll be happy. Uh, Wrong answer. And today's guest is going to tell you why and how you can build a culture of happiness because this guy's done it how you can build a culture of happiness in your work. My guest today is Jamie Weeks, a culture cultivator. He's also the author of a book that is probably coming out by the time you're listening to this. It takes a fight and it's all about how to build a happy culture at work today. Jamie, welcome to Work Positive Nation, man. Glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joey. I appreciate the time. Oh, I am delighted to be here. So, Most of us think when we become successful, right, then that's when I'll be happy. But you have discovered through the companies that you built and the amazing cultures that you built out with them that the opposite is true. Happiness precedes success. Tell us how you discovered that, Jamie. Well, I I don't know that, um, you know, it's something that I discovered. I think there's a lot of people before me that probably realize that many, many times over. I just believe in building a culture centered around being happy and happiness and positivity and how it makes the path to success much easier and maybe a little bit more efficient. And it's a much easier said than done. But I think when you sit down with your team and you talk to them about life balance versus a work-life balance, one of the things that we've really kind of broken down is this work-life balance. And it's really not work-life balance. It's life balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I sleep for 30% of my day. I work for 30% of my day and 40 percent of my day is my family and and free time and other things to do. And so you don't really get to separate the 40% of your free time and the 30% of your work. They're intertwined into one thing. Mm. And so one of the things that we've really focused on at, at Honors Holdings and at Legacy Franchise Concepts is let's focus on humility and empathy and let's focus on life balance. And how can we make life happier inside these four walls of this business to where it's better for you at home as well. And when you start thinking about your work culture that way, where it's more than just being at work, um, you won't believe the things you learn about your team and the needs and having empathy for them of, of, you know, we're all just human beings trying to be happy and succeed. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. We all have the same plan here. And I think it starts with happiness. Absolutely. And empathy and humility sound like the twin towers that you build that positive work culture on. What does that look like in your companies and when you're building out a culture? Well, we've we've had a mantra for the last 10 years that when you care more about others than you care about yourself, you won't believe how many people will begin to care about you. Mm. And I think we would all agree that nothing feels better than to be wanted and wanted to be cared for. It's the ultimate empathy. It's the ultimate feeling in the world. 
And so we've just had a philosophy that every day we're going to care more about others than we care about ourselves. Because honestly, when you only care about yourself, no one cares about you. Mm. And you got to have that perspective to really understand and put yourself in other people's shoes to say, I feel what they're feeling. I understand where they're coming from. How can I help? What can I do? Because guess, guess what? You're going to be in the same situation and you want them to empathize when you're having tough times as well. Absolutely. And it doesn't go, it's not a one-way street. It's got to go both ways. Mm, yeah. And, and humility, of course, you're talking primarily there about empathy. And if you're not there, you will be there one day, right? <laughs> so, That's right. So yeah. Take good notes. You're not humble how, today, you, you later. That's right. Take good notes for how the people uh, ahead of you successfully navigate that path, right? Well, what about humility, Jamie? I mean, it's uh, we celebrate narcissism today, <laughs> it seems to me, you know, beating your chest and look what I did. And it's all about me. And yet mm. it's, it's totally counterintuitive to talk about humility. How do you create that culture of humility in your companies? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely different and definitely difficult at times, especially mm. at Honor Holdings. We have my own 142 Orange Theory Fitness Studios. And so you can imagine the average age of 28 in the fitness industry. A lot of people think very highly of themselves. Yeah. And um, there are no doubt. The most going on, right? That's right. <laughs> the most beautiful people and the most knowledgeable people about health and wellness and nutrition and all those things. Sure. But you find inside people that have a big heart, their real desire to care more for other people and help people. Mm. And so, you know, I've always had the belief that I'm a 50-50 guy. Half the people love me and half the people maybe not so much. And <laughs> the half that I, I have made a choice as we build teams, mm. I know in my gut when I sit down with someone pretty quickly, if this is a person that I would enjoy having dinner with or breakfast with and not talk business at all. Mm. And so when you start building teams of like-minded people that have the same type of philosophies and have some humility and have some humble a little humble pie in, in, in their system every now and then yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. And so when I go through the interview process, I ask three questions to really try to identify more about that person and to see how humble we really are. Right. The first is what was your first car? Cause let me tell you, there's nothing will humble you more. Than your first <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> there is no, there is nothing. Uh, my $2,400, 1985 Chevy Cavalier. I don't care how confident I was as a 16 year old boy. Nothing was more humbling than driving that car with no third gear and going first, second, fourth. That's where I was going. Right. Killing That's pretty small. humbling. Yeah. Hey, 1979 Toyota Corolla five speed right here, right, baby. Right. It's rare. <laughs> Someone says my first car was a brand new Corvette and I, didn't have, <laughs> I had I had no humility, right? Yeah. Usually the story when I ask that question, people laugh and they say, You're, I don't know how I drove this thing. I mean, I had a friend that had a car that to get the radio to work, we had to put the car in neutral while we're driving and then put it back in park and to get the radio to work. No I mean, way. it's just yeah. <laughs> so we, the radio ran so, through the you know, When you think about right? when I think about my 47 years on earth, what's some of the most humble things I've ever done? That 1985 Chevy Cavalier $2,400 was one of the most humble things I've ever done. I right? feel blessed to be here with you today, Jamie. You survived that car, right? Yeah, I did. Right? I survived that. And listen, I think there's a there's a laundry list of people that will tell you that Jamie Weeks is cocky. He's got an ego. And, uh-huh. and I, I'll tell you, over the years, as we all have, as I've gotten older, my humility, every year I increase um, mm. humility by 10%, it feels like. And I'm oh, at the yeah. point now where mm. I'm probably the most humble I've ever been in my life. And I bet a year later, I'll yep. be even more humble. Yeah. And so 
you know, I think that's it. There are two other questions I ask in an interview is what was your first concert and what's one movie that you could watch for the rest of your life? And I ask those questions because when I'm sitting down with someone, typically someone who's just graduated from college and and has nothing but rainbows and unicorns in their head of what what life is like. I ask them, what's that one movie? And they tell me a movie that's maybe just some faraway romantic movie that's just unrealistic. I immediately know, okay, we're going to have some some reset with this person, right? And then the music side, it's a pretty interesting one because the answers I get are amazing. I mean, uh, uh, one of my first hires who's still with me today, Michael Mayer, his first concert was Bruce Springsteen with his dad. And I'm just like, I can't imagine a better first concert of your life than Bruce Springsteen. So I I ask those questions. (laughs) Yeah, I, I ask those questions because... Those are not everyday interview questions, but they are absolutely everyday questions that we would ask if we went to dinner and hung out and just Mm. learned to get to know each other. And so, you know, nowadays resumes are so beautiful and LinkedIn is so beautiful and (laughs) Instagram is is, beautiful. I have all these pictures, but it doesn't really tell me who you really are. Mm -hmm. And so I can ask those questions and, and pretty quickly learn about the empathy and humility that you have in people. Mm. So, Hey, Jamie, what was your first concert? So my first concert was uh, Lisa Lisa Cult Jam at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, they had Fox one is song. wonderful. Yeah, it was a great place to see it. I had one yeah. hit song their whole career, I think maybe two. Yeah. And I can't imagine many of your uh, listeners or watchers are going to even know who that <laughs> is. But, but I, know who it is. <laughs> I know who it is. Yeah, day that's all that matters. Yeah. So how about your movie? What's your movie, Jamie? Uh one movie. You know, this one I go back and forth. It's gonna depend on my mood. But I've got uh I've got three movies I typically choose from. Uh-huh. Um I'd say Goodfellas to me is a movie that I could probably watch. Either that or Gladiator. I mean Gladiator's so good. How about you? What's your one movie? Yeah, I know. And then Gladiator makes me think of Braveheart every time. Yeah, right? yeah. What what is hey, Jim, what's your one movie that you could my live one with? movie? Man, well, I've been married. 40 years so I've seen enough rom-coms to last a lifetime um, <laughs> my, right. my, my uh, one movie would be Oh Brother Where Art Thou that's a great movie oh, I love it because it takes uh, classic literature to Mississippi and being a southern yep. guy you know it just yep. doesn't get any better and George yeah, that's a great movie. masterful that's a great that. movie. and then it I'm from Virginia so Ralph Stanley's uh, career got reignited with that from Clinch Mountain so uh, so yeah I love that I was trying to remember my first concert I think it was Willie Nelson I think wow, that's a great first concert. I just saw him last year. 80, is he 88, 87? I saw him last year, 87 years old, and it was amazing. amazing. He was amazing. Yeah, really. Well, I, I uh, was in radio broadcasting for a while, and um, and he was always my favorite to play. In fact, I still stream Waylon and Willie, you know, just yeah. and Johnny Cash. I, I'm just an old classic country guy. My Great. second cousin was the uh, symphony director for Loretta Lynn, who recently passed oh, away. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, so we, right. we go pretty deep in, in the roots there. I love those questions because when it comes time to attract best talent to your team, you're asking questions nobody else is asking, Jamie. And it focuses on that person and getting mm-hmm. to know the person. And what I hear you saying is creating happiness within the four walls of the work, right? You're concerned about life outside of those four walls, too. So it's not just what you can do for me and my company. It's Mm -hmm. what we can do for you. And what can we do together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a really good 
a pretty good example. I never really thought about it until I started doing these podcasts and mm-hmm. it kind of came to light where I've got between the three businesses, we've got just around 2000 employees. Mm. And so you can imagine we have quite a few of single moms and I've got a, a soft place oh, wow. in my heart for single moms. Yeah. And so I used to always ask a single mom, I would say, Hey, listen, what would you prefer to have mornings or evenings or mornings or afternoons with your child? How do we make this easier for you? And you know, there's a lot of moms that would say, man, I love my mornings. We get ready together. We go to breakfast together. We uh-huh. spend our time talking in the car together. Yeah. And I would say, okay, well then come in when you want to come in. If you need to be here at nine 30, it's great. No big deal. Spend time. And a lot of moms are say, Hey, listen, my kid's not a morning kid. I drop them off at seven. I can be in at seven 15, but I'd love to be off at three, three 30. So I can go hit the bus and grab them and have the afternoon mm. with them. Of course. Mm. So it's like little things like that that are such common sense and such very simple <laughs> things to do and have such a dramatic life improvement mm. for that person, right? Yeah. And we're talking about a difference of if it's 3.30 or 5 o'clock, an hour and a half. It's not – there's no way that's that going to make, make a difference in the business every day as much of it has a difference in that individual person. And so yeah. it's little things like that where we we have to ask each person, what can we do here to make your life better? Like, what can I do? And we don't ask that. We ask, we, we ask people, you know, uh, what can we do to make your job easier? What can we do to make you more efficient? Or what can I give you to put for, so you to do more? Everything job related. But none of it is, what can I do to make your life better? Right. Wow. That's a, that's an extreme focus shift. And, you know, Jamie, as you talk about it, it doesn't sound like brain science. But by and large, no, I'm not smart enough to figure this. I mean, this is, <laughs> no, dude, a, that's not what I'm, I'm a C student at best. Not even but, I, mean, I, I graduated high school, with a two O average. I graduated college with a two O average. I barely got out of college. I, this is not rocket science. I couldn't figure it out. If it was, this comes from for the first 35 years of my life, focusing on myself and oh. for the next 12 years, really starting to focus on other people and realizing the more I focus on other people, the more people will focus on me. And that's how we scale. That's how we grow. That's how we do more together. All right, Jamie. So I got to lean in after 37, 35 years. What was the transforming moment? Yeah. You know, I lost my mom 12 years ago and, and Mm -hmm. like all of us, you know, you only got one mom and she was the most selfless human that I've ever met in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I really kind of sat there and thought about myself, my wife and I've been married 20 years and we have two girls that are 14 and 16. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, is this really what my mom intended for me to have this massive ego to be focused on materialistic things, to not really have that many friends, very successful, make great money, live a great life, but am I really happy? And I would say that my mom battled multiple sclerosis and she was happier than I was. Oh, wow. And she was happier than I was because she was choosing and finding her own happiness mm. versus me who is trying to find happiness in other things and other people. And it doesn't work that way. Mm. And so really for the last 11, 12 years, I've done everything I can to focus more and more on other people and success has come with that. Mm. So how did the people around you react when you, began? Well, I mean, I think this is Joey, this is, this didn't happen on a Tuesday to a Wednesday. Oh no. Uh-uh. It had to happen then, over you know, a period of time. Yeah. Right? This is, this is years and years of me, you know, changing my mentality. And it, I didn't wake up one day and say, I have to do this right now. Uh-huh. I think I looked back over a couple of years and, and got a little softer and a little nicer and a little uh-huh. bit more in touch. And honestly, it all comes from vulnerability. At the end of the day, it starts mm-hmm. with vulnerability. You have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is who I am and this is who I want to be. And, and these are the things that I get to choose to go do to be better. 
Mm. Jamie Weeks is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. What are some challenges that you encountered along the way in creating this work culture? Well, I mean, I think I face the same challenges we all do, right? I mean, you know, there were times early as we scaled and built this business Mm -hmm. that I may have been too rigid with certain employees and probably lost good employees if I had to just maybe put my fist down and open my ears a little bit and Mm. use two ears and one mouth and use them accordingly and listen to what people were trying to say to me. And Mm. I'm definitely better at that today. I've always been someone that that as someone was talking, I had the answer already ready to go. And I've learned (laughs) that I probably need to let them finish before I need to tell them what I know. It's not... (laughs) You mean it's not about you telling them what you know? It's not about it's not about what I know. It's about listening to other people and having empathy and really understand where they're coming from to solve problems. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. And so the challenges have been with myself and the challenges have been you know, different. I mean, I own a boutique fitness company that went through a global pandemic. I mean, Mm. that's, I'd say that was a challenge, right? And, you know, I'm 47. So I've lived through 2008, 2009. And I realized how difficult that time was. I was coming out of college and getting into the work world during the tech boom of 2000. Mm. And so, you know, one of the challenges was in March of this year, getting my team together and talking to them about what a recession is and what it means and what's going to happen. I mean, they're 28, 29, 30 years old. Mm. They have no idea. Mm. They've never experienced recession. All they've experienced the last 10 years is interest rates at 1%. You can go buy whatever you want to buy. And TikTok tells you, you make as much money as you want to make. It doesn't, the world doesn't work that way. Mm. And so one of the challenges is, is one of the things you and I were talking before the show is, you know, making sure that this younger generation understands never get too high and never get too low mm. and stay right in the middle. And that does from a mental health aspect is enormous. Mm. So how do you do that? Because I mean, you educate, you talk to them. I mean, I've got the experiences, so I've got to tell them, Hey, listen, you know, in 2006, 2007, yeah, you thought that home prices doubled every year. I mean, we've been through this. It was the most amazing home prices just went crazy. And then you go through a three-year period where you're like, I don't want real estate. This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. But the people that, that did not look at the newspaper, that did not reach the, watch the watch the news that just held that real estate through the entire thing and woke up in 2014 they had no clue what happened mm. so you know you've got to tell your team and you've got to educate your team so this is how i do it is not every time is different they're actually history tells us they're actually pretty much the same yeah. recessions over the last 100 years have they been different sure how different are they not very some are a lot deeper and some are a lot more shallow, but it's part of it. And you're going to have more. Guess what? Shocker. This won't be the last one in your life. There's going to be. Others, <laughs> That's right. right. There's another this, one. Is, this is what happens. So you need to expect it. You need to be ready for it. Mm. And this is your first one as a 28 year old in the workplace, as a true adult trying to pay bills. Just get ready because it's going to happen again. And so this is part of learning. And in 30 years, they'll be telling the same story to someone else. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So you're passing on. Really, it's a legacy enterprise then, isn't it, Jamie? Because you're passing on some of your experiences and saying, hey, here's what you can expect. Uh, Here's how you weather it. And man, that's got to build confidence in that team that we're following someone who can point the way out for us. Well, isn't that what leaders do, though? I mean, if I think about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? I would think that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and their success of the Patriots 
Falcons in year 10, 11, or 12, they were probably looking at the rookies and saying, we've done this before. Let me tell you how this is going to play out. So it's no different. Nick Saban, I'm sure, is telling his players that are freshmen, hey, guys, I've done this six, seven times. We're going to be okay. We're going to win a national championship. But let me tell you how we're going to do this. So if you're not using your experiences to educate the new generation that's coming into it, then your your experiences are worthless. Mm. Yeah. You know, so often, Jamie, it seems like we we date hard in the attraction process, the recruitment process, and then we get them in. Suddenly our back door is twice the size of our front door. Right. So we're losing good people off of our teams. The consistency that you're talking about there between the highs and lows is so important. How do you measure your culture to make sure that humility and empathy are core values there? We measure it with exactly what you just said, which is turnover. Mm. And so we have really high turnover. We know there's a culture problem in a studio or in a business or in a region. And if we have very low turnover, we know we're doing right by culture. Mm. And so that is something that we track on a weekly, monthly, annual basis, quarterly, annual basis Mm. to look at that turnover and to see where that turnover is at. Now, is the turnover always culture? Not at all. It could be a a litany of things. But every time that, that our business has had higher turnover than normal, uh-huh. it's because of culture issue. And it's usually a leader in the business who's focused on themselves and not on the team. Mm. So Again, this is not rocket science. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's a key metric then is turnover. Right. So you look at your turnover rate. That's right. Let's say it's your turnover rate's a little bit larger in one particular area. And what do you do then? Well, I mean, we'll probably sit down with the leader of that area and say, hey, listen, what's going on? This is abnormal. Tell us where the strained relationships are. But I'll tell you, I can go to a regional manager or a studio manager and I can get sometimes canned answers. But Mm -hmm. if I go to a part-time sales associate that's making $15 an hour or working 20 hours a week Mm -hmm. and I say, what's going on? Someone who's really kind of unbiased, who's maybe in college and just trying to, you know, take some free fitness classes and make some extra money and part-time while they're in school. Uh And I say, What's going on in there? I tell you what, you won't believe how open someone will be and tell you, oh, let me tell you what's really going on. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Sometimes you have to really get down into the weeds and say, let's start down here and say, tell me what we can do to make things better. Things aren't great. And let's hear what their response is. Mm. They're usually going to type the problem is pretty quick. If I go straight to the regional manager, I'm probably going to get an answer that I've heard before and Mm. not really get exactly the truth. If I go to a studio manager, they're scared to give me the answer of what really is there because they don't know the consequence of the answer. Mm. And so I'll usually start with part-time employees and say, what's going on? What do you think? How are we doing? And just keep it really open and see what they say. And then revert back to the studio managers and the regionals and say, this is what I've heard. Tell me what you think about this. Mm. So how do you get past the, the original manager to get to the to the guy working 20 hours a week making $15 an hour? You just so show I up? Oh, I mean, I, I, yeah, we know a lot of these people. I mean, that's not difficult to do. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's not difficult to do. So it's not like you get headed off at the door or something. Did, did, did. No, no. I, I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't let those people know. We would say, hey, listen, we want to talk to everyone. There's something, something's not working. Mm. We want it to work better. We're going to talk to everybody. We Communication is the key to success. Say no one, again, man. communication is the key to success. You've never seen someone say, yeah, you know, we had to let him go. They were just too good of a communicator. 
they talk too much. <laughs> I wouldn't say they talk too much. <laughs> no one's ever said, yeah, we're going to let them go. They're too effective of a communicator. Mm. That's never been said. No one's ever said, yeah, you know what? We're going to let them go. They just, boy, they knew the details way too well. Mm. No one's ever said that. And so our teams, we thrive in communication, thrive mm. in it. And it is a central focus of what we do every single day is communication. We have so many ways to communicate now between email, text message, group me, DMs, TikTok. We have so many ways to communicate. There's no reason we're not communicating at, the, at all times at the highest level. Mm. And so it's not surprising for me personally to reach out to members randomly and say, what do you think of the studio? What's going on? It's definitely not surprising for me to reach out to sales associates across the country and say, tell me what's going on. What do you think? I mean, that's what we have to do. That's what I have to do. I have to know what the masses are saying, not just one person. Mm. So evaluation is consistent and it's 360 and it's just an expected part of the culture. Absolutely. And that's how you really push out humility and empathy as your core values, as you're talking. Well, those are always there no matter what, whether things are good or bad, empathy and humility are going to be at the core center of everything we do. Yeah. So Jamie Weeks is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. You got a book coming out and the title is It Takes a Fight. What's that all about? It takes a fight keeping and retaining a winning team. I've never written a book. I obviously have a, a ghostwriter and a co-author with me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been a process. It's been amazing. Uh, I've probably learned more about myself in writing this than any amount of therapy could ever have paid for. And so um, I'm really excited about it. I don't know if this is something that I'll do again. But it's definitely something that I'm really proud of it. I'm really excited about it. And I'm hoping what people get out of it is I'm a simple, common sense C student guy that has been really lucky and has built and then had some success on, on culture and caring more about others. Mm. And I hope people read this and, and get that out of that. Mm. So where'd the title come from? It takes fight. Well, I mean, you know, it's a title that myself and, and my co-author after looking at kind of my last 27 years of work experience, mm. you know, everything has been, um, I wouldn't say fighting, but it's really been, we've got to stand up for what we believe and we've got to, Doing things the same as everyone else when it comes to building teams and building cultures isn't what we want to do. And so mm. it takes a fight is about resilience. It's about I'm not a Wharton Harvard grad student. I'm not. I'm just I'm not. And I'm I'm I in the it, world and Me. and I've had a couple uh, really good success stories. And I didn't do it based on, you know, going to Harvard Business School and nothing against that. But it's just we did it with a little bit of grit. Mm. And it takes a fight to get it. It takes done. a fight. Because in putting together a company that cares for people and their happiness, not just in what they can do for the company, but beyond that, man, it takes a fight to hold it. Up does. It does. It does. It takes a fight. Empty. It takes a fight to be happy. It takes a fight to have a life balance. Mm. It takes a fight to really just, you know. Focus. I mean, think about, you know, how many times a day in my head, I'm focused on my health and wellness. I need to go for my four mile walk or I need to eat a little bit better. I mean, mm. everything in our head is I, I need to leave early to go to soccer practice and pick up my daughter from here. And then we got a history test tonight. And then we have to do this. Everything in our head is a fight. And it's really about mm. finding that balance and just everything's going to be OK. Mm. Everything's going to be okay. We just got to sometimes slow down and say, I'm going to choose to do the things that make me happy. I'm going to start with that as my base. And then I'm going to go from there. Oh man, I can so relate to that. I, I'm fond of saying we have to slow down to speed up sometimes. 
because that single mom you were talking about earlier and helping her yeah. determine which day part is best with her kid, yeah. man, she'll go to the wall for you, right? Oh, in a second. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I hope she will. I, I'm going to go to the wall for her. I will do whatever I can for her and him, whoever yeah. it is. And, and that's just so counterintuitive to what the rest of corporate America is doing, right? I don't and, know about that. I think a lot of corporate America is doing that. Um, hmm. I, I would say that, that, and I think you'd agree with me, 10 years ago, a lot less. Mm. Now more, 10 years later, more. Yeah. And I think what's happening between the work from home and the pandemic and mm. kind of us all realizing that we're in this, your life is this bubble of eat, sleep, work, fun. And how do we combine all of that into life balance? Because mm. that is really, that is really the key. And if you're defining success with just being happy, then I need to find a way to be happy in all those aspects. Yes. And making those decisions where sometimes are tough, right? But yep. yet hunkering down in those. Yeah, you're reminding me, we have two daughters also, and the younger daughter ran cross country and track. And so, you know, back then we were traveling a lot to go speak and things like that. There are a lot of great speakers out there. So I just took the cross country schedule and marked it out on my calendar because she had one daddy and that's right. There's one cross country season and that's right. I was going to be there and she's 30 years old today with a two and a half year old daughter, my granddaughter. Right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it makes a difference, man. It's that kind of legacy investment that you make. Hmm. Jamie Weeks is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Jamie, Work Positive Nation always wants to know from my guest, what's one thing, one thing they can do today to start creating the kind of positive work culture we're talking about? What's your one thing, Jamie Weeks? Wow. I'll tell you. One thing, I have to eat lunch every day. Okay. We all eat lunch every day. A lot of people eat lunch every single day. Uh-huh. And what I've done with my um, assistant, Tori, who's, been, who's like my she runs my life. Thank God for her. <laughs> is if anyone wants to have lunch with me, just get on my schedule. Mm. And it's not just C-suite executives. It's anybody at any day. I'm here and I'm going to have lunch. And if you want to join me to go to lunch, and if it's two or three of you that want to have lunch, let's go do it. And so I would just highly recommend opening your schedule to go have lunch with people and not talk business mm. and just Ask them questions and see what's going on in their world. If you go have lunch with five people in your office that you've probably never had lunch with and never would, and you say, I don't want to talk business. I want to learn about you. Mm. I want to learn about you and what's going on with you. You just won't believe how many friendships you can make out of that. And those are the connections that get you through tough times like global pandemics. Mm. And I just, I always say, you don't know who's swimming naked till the tide rolls out. <laughs> That's we, true. We, we, we made yeah. it through a global pandemic because of our culture and our friendship mm. um, as a group of people where we all just kind of locked arms together and said, we're going to do this together and get through it. And I'm very thankful for that. And it's moments like that where I just said, Hey, you know what? Let's my schedule's open to anybody to have lunch with anybody at any time. So just let me know. We'll have lunch. Uh, you're reminding me of a book by Keith Ferrazzi some years ago, Never Eat Alone. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I love your emphasis on lunch without borders there. You know, let's get to know each other as people, human right. beings rather than human right. doings. I know what you right. do. Let's talk about who you are. What are you excited about? What's your favorite right. team? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That stuff. I'm fascinated about learning other people's stories. Hmm. Hey, everybody's got, got a story, Jamie. Everybody's got a story. I, I just love to hear other people's stories. 
That's beautiful. Thank you. Jamie Weeks is uh, my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Hey, uh, we can find you where? LinkedIn, Instagram, what? Yeah, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. We'll have the website, jamieweeks.com, probably up in the next 30 days, and then the book will be out. Um, but between LinkedIn and Instagram, Jamie Weeks ATL, uh, you'll find me. All right. Wonderful, man. Well, I'm glad we found you. I'm better for this podcast today, oh, and I sweet. appreciate Thank everything you, you talked about, man. The humility and empathy, I'll carry that with me. I, really I appreciate will. it. Thank you so Thanks much. so much, man. Thank you for listening to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Please share this podcast with your friends who are small business leaders so they can create a positive work culture that increases their productivity and profits. Get your free 15-point work positive checklist to help you attract top talent and reduce team turnover. Download this checklist at workpositive.today slash checklist. Remember, it pays to work positive.